listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. So hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Changing Reality. So welcome one, welcome all. This is uh, Changing Reality. We're on WQHS Radio every Thursday evening at 10 p.m. ET um, from the University of Pennsylvania or whatever time that is for you guys all around the world. So thank you guys for joining in, for being our lovely audience for today. If this is your first time on the show, where have you been? What have you been doing with your life? But it's okay. Changing Reality is a show that features phenomenal people from all walks of life who are, in essence, changing their own reality. So through this show, we'll be hanging out and interviewing social change makers, entrepreneurs, business owners, to even artists, musicians, uh, thought leaders, industry pioneers, and inspiring individuals from all across the world. So by hearing their inspiring stories on how they are changing reality and affecting the way that not only their lives work, but how the industries around them work, how the lives of others around them work, hopefully we'll be able to pick up little bits of wisdom, little nuggets of experiences that we can use in our own journeys to apply them in the things that we do. And I wanted to do this show simply because I feel like there are so many phenomenal people out there who are making waves in the lives of others. And I'm super passionate about uncovering these stories and learning how people are changing the world in their own capacity. Simply because I feel like there's so much virtue, there's so much that we can learn simply from the power of stories and conversation. To show you how much of a fan of stories I am, I actually personally founded and run a youth movement called Ascendance back in Malaysia, which is where I'm from, that collaborates with our Malaysian Ministry of Education, as well as global MNCs, um, 28 different countries actually, to help provide an alternative education platform for any student who wants to change their reality. So we work with students from elementary to high school through various sessions, programs, experiential learning activities, and projects that help them discover their passion, learn about themselves and the world around them through experiential activities, through uh, going out there and actually getting hands-on experience, and use those meaningful experiences to come back and create their own careers for themselves, something that they're good at, something that they love doing, that not only has an impact on their lives, but, the, but an impact on the lives of those around them as well. And to date, we've been very fortunate to work with over 35,000 students in, um, the, in over 970 communities and have incubated countless number of student-run projects, social enterprises, and so much more run by students aged 8 to 25 years old themselves, helping everyday students change their reality. And the basis for this whole platform, for everything we've been able to do, is stories. It's kind individuals who take their time to actually share with us their experiences, the things that they've done, so that we can shorten our own learning curves and the learning curves of others from listening to their mistakes, the things that they got right, and implement them in our own lives. So just like that, I hope that this show serves as that very same platform for you, so that you too can go out there and create a part for yourself that not only makes you happy, not only fulfills you, but also makes global changes. And that these stories and nuggets and all will not only inspire you, but aid you in that journey of doing so. So if you have any questions about the show, uh, if there's anything specific that you guys want to talk about, any topics that you want to know more about, please do drop it in the show chat below and we'll try to take as many of them as we can. So today is an especially special day because we have with us uh, as our guest, one of my absolutely favorite people and one of my brilliant co-founders of Ascendance itself, Madhura Pennin. So Madhura is someone who is so inspirational because at only 25 years old, she's not only the co-founder and advisor of Ascendance, who built it to the international youth movement it is today from scratch. So she started it when she was 19 years old, um, freshly still in college. And over the course of her career in college and uh, afterwards, she actually took a team of four people, including me back then as a very uh, nosy 13-year-old, and from the very bare basics, build it to today an international youth movement that has over 40 Gen Zs working across the country. As I said earlier, 20 uh, with uh, chapters and students in 28 different countries being impacted, having worked with 35,000 uh, companies, uh, sorry, 35,000 uh, uh, students, and also having much corporate support from and, uh, and support from not just corporate partners, from MNCs to GLCs to small and medium businesses around the globe, but also for getting support from organizations such as ministries, the Ministry of Education, 
education here in Malaysia, um, getting support from uh, non-profits, NGOs, and much, much more. She's also the recipient of the Diana Award for Young Changemakers in recognition for her social action and humanitarian work in building a sentence and its uh, work in empowering Gen Z in Malaysia. Other than that, she's also a junior director at outsource accounting firm Simply Empowering, where she helps small and medium businesses be sustainable and grow in the economy. From her experiences building ascendance, her personal experiences as an extremely successful and disciplined uh, millennial, and as well as being this junior director who's worked with countless number of businesses, she also authored a book called Money Matters that pens on all of these beautiful experiences and translates them into lessons for young adults who are keen to learn about finance, how they can sustain themselves, build their own careers, and learn so much more. At the same time, she not only works with individuals through personal coaching sessions, workshops, and much more outreach to so that other youngsters can learn about financial literacy and start implementing regular financial habit patterns, many of them young entrepreneurs as well. But she also hosts a weekly financial literacy web series of the same name of her book, Money Matters, where she actually interviews business owners, entrepreneurs, successful individuals, from all walks of life on their experiences, lessons, and money mistakes to teach finance through conversation and experiences. Madhura was also one of the top four finalists of the Entrepreneurs' Organization's EO Malaysia's Global Student Entrepreneurship Awards and was uh, awarded the Top 10 Key Opinion Leaders Award by, uh, by the 2019 Monster Awards. So she's definitely someone who's not only a public figure, not only someone who is extremely inspirational in the social entrepreneurship field, but today has a beautiful career educating others to be able to live their dreams financially stable and at the same time inspiring others to actually go out there and make a change at the same time. So without further ado, let's bring this phenomenal speaker onto our virtual stage, welcoming Madhra Khan. Hi, Hello. Hi, Madhra. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me uh, on Changing Reality. It means a lot. Well, thank you for being on our show. As I said, this is probably going to be one of my favorite interviews because I feel like you and I have a lot of conversations that personally I learn a lot from on a day-to-day -day basis. So now everyone else gets the honor of listening in to us talk for once. So hopefully that, so I'm sure that they're going to be knocked to like blown away by your experiences and your insights. But of course, I still need to recover and take a deep breath from your introduction, Madhra. Because... <laughs> yeah, that was a very long introduction. <laughs> well, it's all your fault. You see, you, you have done too many things. You've won too many awards. It's giving me a bit of a headache. So I just need to catch my breath for a moment. But as I do that, maybe you can share with us how you started all of this. I mean, at 25 years old, I think most of the college students I know are starting their careers. You have enough to give, I think, most working adults a run for their money. So where exactly did your did everything all of these things begin and how was it like starting most of this I think when you were just 19 years old still in college my age oh my goodness so enlighten us um I think like you mentioned I started this when I was 19 so that was about almost seven eight seven years ago so uh I think what happened was I was uh fortunate to run into my one of my sister's friends and we basically encountered this business incubator platform called ET Ideas and when I first went there I think it was the first place I personally had seen which talked about being happy more than making money and everything else in life so uh, I've always uh, since I think when I was a teenager you know everyone has that weird age at 16 where you start questioning things and yeah, then you're like what are you weird at 16 yeah Yes, everyone's weird at 16. So my weird was about existential crisis and going like, why are we living? Why is everyone so obsessed with working and making money and not enjoying life and being in the moment? So that was my existential crisis. And so when I first met ET Ideas, this business incubator platform, as much as they were entrepreneurs, they were running their businesses, they were earning money and living the life that they want to live, uh, they were also very balanced and looked at their own happiness uh, building good relationships with their family and friends and that really appealed to me because for once I saw a group of people do that so I just continued going back to the environment I think you, you know you're like making friends right you don't really plan it you just like oh it's nice to hang out with this person I'm just going to keep hanging out with this person and that's how you become best friends with your friends so I just kept doing that hanging out with this group of people 
of course, one of the amazing people that I was hanging out with was Sasha. And uh, also, we had two other co-founders there, uh, Sanad and Hira. And I think eventually, we started, because of this environment, we started learning a lot of uh, things. I think goal setting, how to manage our emotions, how to not find fault and constantly find problems, but rather find solutions instead. So we started applying this in our lives. Uh, it could have been, for me, was a little bit in college, but more of it was like emotionally, uh, the relationships I had and all of that. Uh, when I started addressing that, we were so excited. Life was so interesting. Every day, something exciting was taking place compared to my friends who just had a very boring life of going for classes and coming back home. So um, I think we all felt that and we wanted to see how we can give that same level of excitement and inspiration for other youngsters out there so that they too can strive for what they want and build a life that they truly love. So that's how we started Ascendance. And I think since then, it has been a constant journey of uh, creating creating our reality in a way. Uh, Doing, doing different things, all, making tons of mistakes, screwing up a lot of times. But at the same time, we learn from it and then come back stronger. So that's been a very, very exciting past seven years in a way. Yeah, I think um, seven years has been a very long time that we didn't even notice past. I feel at times we feel like we're still the same kids from 2015 doing the same nonsense, especially when we hang out uh, <laughs> outside of work. But uh, we were just talking the other day that some of the kids that we had worked with who were in primary school, so elementary school, are graduating high school this year. And it was a very strange feeling to, to, to now see, to have literally seen them grown up and many of them who were lost and quiet now are business owners who are corporate partners. So very, very interesting time for, for I think the last seven years. You mentioned something very fascinating that it was the idea that there was this group of people who are out there achieving the monetary success but also focusing on their happiness and growing their happiness that really made your exist existential 16-year-old crisis like reawaken and, and we realized that there is a solution to it in a way. Yep. You and you you mentioned that it's not always about the money, which is very, very, very strange because you literally have a book called Money Matters. And <laughs> you are I'm just saying, I'm just saying, and you are an accountant by profession. And I think it's a point of contention between many people, especially entrepreneurs, where many times in the entrepreneurship journey, it is about focusing on getting the money, getting the funds, doing the work, going out there, having that, that very, very busy lifestyle, like even for social entrepreneurs. And that's a huge reason why I think 50% of all entrepreneurs actually like face burnout. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's an entrepreneur has 50% higher chances of, I think, suicide, mental health issues, and a whole array of other issues. And then here you are saying that happiness is what attracted you to this. So I'm very confused by this whole statement. How was your journey? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's just like, like I'm sure the world outside there is like, what? So <laughs> how was your journey as an entrepreneur? What made it different in a sense from anyone out there being a typical entrepreneur? I mean, again, you started very young. Uh, most people by the age of 25 would have, uh, I don't know, would have quit and, and um, given up on it if it didn't take off immediately, which fortunately a sense did take off. But um, you are still a very, very active part of the work that we do. So what is it about your journey that that is that differs from the regular experience of entrepreneurship? I think I think um, I could not if it, if it was just me, right? And it was just me gathering with a group of friends and working on this business idea that we have. I can assure you, I would have gone down that same path of because uh, I, I because I'm an accountant and I do find money fascinating and all of that. Uh, there's an even more higher tendency of me doing that. Um, in fact, even nowadays, there's a lot of, many times I go into that zone of uh, doing entrepreneurship the traditional way. You know? uh, but what changed or what was different for me was basically the kind of mentors I had. Um, I don't think I would say I was mentored by one person. Yes, it was mainly by one person, but more than that, it is a group of people who guided me. I had uh, one mentor who helped me to realize that the, the kind of programmings that I had in my mind that kept getting me into the same kind of problems repeated, repetitively, right? So I had somebody to work with on that area of my life. I had uh, my mentor in Simply Empowering, who's the CEO and founder of Simply Empowering, Joyce Lim, uh, who kind of opened my mind about even if you run a business, you can still help people. 
uh, even she runs a accounting business, but most of our clients are just startups and SMEs, right? So there are people who need the help, but they may not be able to afford a really, really expensive accountant who can give them all the advices. So I had a mentor in there who showed me that you can actually choose to help people in whatever you choose to do. And then I had another mentor who showed me how to get things done, how to be empathetic to people and not shout whenever they don't do stuff, which is something I had a huge problem of. And so it's different kind of people who taught me different things. So it kept, uh, I had, my mind was always open in a way, like even if I tried to like close it, somebody would force it open and uh, give me a new perspective. So because of that, I feel like I was able to do things a bit differently. I think many of us have like a certain set of beliefs that this is how success can be achieved. So when I had so many different types of mentors who taught me different things, uh, it opened up my mind that success can be different and I just have to decide what I want to do in a way. And, and of course, uh, I think the thing that really helped was at the beginning stages, it wasn't about the money. I know I wrote a book called Money Matters, but it ends with a question mark. So it's me <laughs> questioning, does money really matter? Um, because uh, I at, at the beginning stages, if we do it for the money, very likely you would go into that zone of working, 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 burnout kind of thing. But I think for us, we started because of the cause and the care we had for the people we wanted to impact. And we just keep going back to that, giving the best we can for those people. So when we focus on that, money comes, but uh, a lot of other things come along with it as well. One of the first ever programs that Ascendance did was called Ascendance on the Road. And... I know this because I was there with you on the road for many times, but um, looking back, it's probably not some program that we would do because the concept of this program and why it was called Ascendance on the Road is because it would be as far as we could drive. And we realized in that journey that we can drive very far and that you not always want to drive as far as you can drive. And we would end up spending hours on the road. Um, this was a completely free program and we wanted it to be consistent so that we had monthly sessions at the same place over the course yep. of a year. Impact-wise, I think it's a brilliant program simply because um, it did impact the students. And one and the beautiful thing about Ascendance on the Road, we impacted, I think, 500 over students, 13 different institutions in that first year we ran it. And I, I personally believe I saw many of the kids change over the course of that year. They Just the commitment, I think, of seeing our faith every month was like, okay, we have to do something different, we have to be a little bit different. But no, 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 I actually saw that many of them were more confident. Many of them went from failing all their subjects to getting straight A's and B's. I actually saw a kid's report card and lost my mind because there's all red marks and then there's suddenly A's and B's. I was like, what happened? And they're like, your program. So it's like all of these little things I like made a huge difference, I think, to us. But logistics-wise, this is not something that I think most people would be able to do. Um, or would plan to do because it was not exactly the best logistically wise planned program and we yeah. did it with zero funding i think um, madra mentions this in the book that when we started our first funding was just our mentor filling up a starbucks card for us when we go for meetings i i know i may have my opinion on this but you are the speaker so for you <laughs> You mentioned like just doing things without even just seeing the money and things like that. How was it like getting across that point where there was absolutely no plans to get any income? We were just literally doing this from the best of our heart because we really wanted to see the kids grow. Yeah. That's not really the most sustainable business planning going in. We know it works out because we are having this interview. But at that point of time, what was kind of the frame of mind you were in? And how did we actually convert this into today becoming one running some of the most successful programs uh, across the not only the nation but i'd argue southeast asia and hopefully soon the world yep i i think uh, many people start off there right uh when when something goes wrong or a lot of us will start helping people because we we are influenced by our senses in a way so that's i think it, even us, right? We probably started because of that. We are like, oh, our friends are not coming here. So we need to go to them. And that's literally how I said it's on the road started. Um, and we were doing that. Yes, it, uh, we had the support of our crowdfunding campaign, if I'm not mistaken. So that kind of like sustained us for a certain period of time. But at one point, the money ran out and we didn't have enough money to continue. So um, I think that's personally when I started learning that you do need funds to create the impact. And this happened at the same time where a group of us actually went to 
a place in the Philippines. So there's a huge NGO called Gawat Kalinga in Philippines. And a few of us took a trip to one of their places called the GK Enchanted Farm, which is truly enchanted. It's a beautiful place. And uh, we went there and that's the first time we saw people who were like, you know, like really, really like in the lowest level of poverty you can find, right? They actually turned their life around. They were running social enterprises. They were making money and they were contributing back to the people. And it, as a community, they were growing. And I think I saw like, companies like Hyundai and Coca-Cola were actually like their corporate partners. And because of the funds they received, the impact they were able to create was so much more. So then I think when we, when I personally saw that, it's that is the time it kind of like sinked in, in me that the work I do, I'm my programming is it must be done for free, for like I should not expect to earn anything from it. Only then it's a true, genuine help, right? That's my programming. So... Similarly, I had to step out of the programming and realize that you can help people and actually still earn money out of it. And there's nothing wrong with it. One of the things our mentors, uh, my mentors say is this, uh, letting people, and I actually talk about it in the book as well, the guilt of making money. So like he'll say that letting people pay for your services. So like the work we do in Ascendance, letting people pay you for the work you do is actually you helping them. Because when a lot of us, need to repay that effort but we are unable to do so so you need to create an avenue for people to repay your effort and it is the right thing to do it's not it's not bad or it's not something you should be guilty about it's the right thing to do to give them an avenue to repay you and i was like that's a different way to look at it because in my mind it was it was the wrong thing to do so uh when i my, when my mind opened up again so my my mentors helped me open up my mind in a way and then we started seeing opportunities. And I think when we started getting the funds in, we were able to do so much more. And I was like, wow, okay. So if I had just settled for like, let's not make money. Let's just uh, let's just uh, do this for free for as long as we can. We would have never grown. Ascendance cannot impact 35,000 students. Uh, we cannot be working with students in 28 different countries. We cannot be doing that. Uh, it was only possible because we switched our mind to accept that making money is okay it is actually important to do so so that you can you can have the resources you can get the resources you can mobilize things and actually create your make your impact so much more bigger so i think since then i'm i'm, I'm like i'm like an advocate let's make money <laughs> and do something good with it and i think that's where the merger comes right between making money and your accountant and finance brain and your love for doing something for the community and, and giving back and having a purposeful meaningful career so very, very well way of bridging the two. As Madhra mentioned, she talks about this guilt of making money in chapter one of her book, Money Matters. Please, please do read it. I read it and I asked, oh my God, I did not know there was some, I had this issue. And I was like, oh my goodness, like what's wrong with me? Why didn't I think of like this sooner? So I, I really, really, it, like it changed my perspective of, uh, even after running a sentence for many years and how I looked at things. So thank you, Madhra, for writing about that. And I um, highly recommend it to check that out, especially that one, that one whole spread about it. I loved it so much. Also, when, as, like, I think we started thinking about it, we started going out there and meeting corporate partners. I remember the first corporate partner we got, I think it was 350 ringgit. So all of our friends from the US, that's less than a hundred dollars. <laughs> but we were so happy, we were so excited. I think it was just that momentum of starting to meet people and all. And that momentum really picked up, I feel, when we were, when our programs itself were picked up by the Ministry of Education. Um, here in Malaysia, and we were given the opportunity to pilot our projects across one of the states here in Malaysia. Ten different schools arranged from some of the best schools in the state to some of the lowest performing schools to test out, does this program work? Where is it most effective? And, and kind of like get the information and data. Um, how did you, as the CEO of the time, as the person running Ascendance and all of that, Manage number one, a team of youngsters who were in school themselves. I think other than Hira, me and Sanet, the other two co-founders were in school. How did you mobilize the resources that surrounded us? We had beautiful corporate partners. We had amazing support from Eco Ideas. But you were the person putting it all together, putting the pieces together to actually run this program. Again, monthly, in schools, in different corners, even further than we expected, right? Now, fortunately, with some funding, but the scale had grown so much. We had press conferences now. 
we had ministers coming for our programs and events. We had opening ceremonies, officials coming, um, uh, media which we would have to entertain at times. Uh, we would run this. We would have to stay the day before the most of our programs just to set up. Wake up at four a.m. And a lot of the program itself was conducted by our previous participants, who again were students who were I think 10, 11, 14, 15. As the CEO, this is not probably the most ideal workforce that you have expected. <laughs> but, uh, and, but this is what we had. And we ran this program, I think, really successfully due to your guidance and your leadership. How did you go about making, mobilizing this in a way? Um, I think, I think that, that particular period of time was probably my most stressful period of time in my life. Because um, for someone who had literally done nothing in their life before that, uh suddenly you had like like you mentioned right monthly programs and all to be honest uh i don't think i'm the one who made it a success uh a huge amount of the credit goes to uh hira who was then the ceo because she really went all out and she had so much of energy i have no idea how she had so much of energy. <laughs> we really, had really four cool. people to replace her when she stepped down she yeah yeah that's the amount of work she did right so like i had no idea how how she did it but i think for me personally what I had to do at that point in time is ensure that everyone was just working on what they were good at, help them to do that. And and we had a huge support system in a way. Like you mentioned, our huge uh, group of people who run our programs and the support team and all of that is kids. So most of them are at school most of the time. So we had to get um, a, other groups of people to come in and help. Uh, and of course, the students themselves, they will help after their school hours. And I think the kind of commitment we had to ascendance, uh, it reflects with the students and the youngsters we impact. They eventually have the same, if not more, amount of commitment to come back and also give back to the students. So they would they would come back after school and uh, they would run the workshops. Sometimes they would prepare the things. Uh, but other than that, we also had like in ET ideas, we had like CEOs who would take their morning off and just come with us, drive us around. They will help us do the things. And that, that was kind of the first time I saw that um, to really make change in, in, in like the younger generation or whatnot, um, not only do we need funds, but we need a lot of commitment from people. Because it was not easy. Many times I wanted to kill, a lot of us wanted to kill each other. It was, it was a very stressful period of time. But everyone was very committed to the idea of like building the young. So they went the extra mile. Even though they were the CEOs in, in a big company, they still took instructions from youngsters who was really, really stupid back then. Uh, <laughs> they still took And they did stuff. So it's like because the, the amount of commitment they had, they made it happen. So... Uh, I think these are the two groups of people that really helped us to do it. And I think we also realized that that is the point I started realizing that, yeah, I cannot do this myself. Uh, we are going to need a whole lot more people to take charge, take ownership and uh, grow in the organization so that they can eventually take take the responsibilities. And I think that's when um, a lot of the kids we worked with started taking up positions, started running things and... Uh, they started taking things over slowly. So eventually they are now like leading the team, of course, led by you. Uh, it's because I think the work we started doing back then, where they start, slowly started taking up uh, ownership. No, no, very, very beautifully explained. And I think it was that year we really first saw that when the whole community comes together, then things become possible, like things that would seem impossible became a reality. We actually started changing reality because all of these different segments of people came together and actually took their, their time and effort. Teachers would find slots in their school calendar for us to have run programs. Companies who owners CEOs would take their days off. And many people always talk about we need to change the education system. We need to make this change to the, to the system of how the world works and all of that. We actually started doing that in 2018. And it was because everyone wanted to change, not because we were fighting anyone, because everyone came together and said, let's change together. Let's make these small changes wherever we can so that with, with the shared cause that we want to impact the kids, we want to impact the students. And we had so much brilliant support, even today from the Ministry of Education. I think last year, I, around this time last year, Madhra was invited, I think, by the 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 special council, special economic development council or something to speak to one of the 
the people, the deputy in the prime minister's office on, on what they said exactly as Senin saw as a non as a as a social enterprise during our time and how that contributes. So even until today, we've been so fortunate to work with them and work with every segment of the community, whether parents or teachers or corporates or students themselves. And that's why we've been effective. And the results, I think, bore fruit in 2019. We were actually recognized by the Diana Foundation in the United Kingdom. Madhura personally was given the Diana Award, um, along with the rest of the co-founders, fortunately. But um, at the same time, I think it just started snowballing from there. We started to yeah. be having enough students that we could actually organize conferences. We had a conference, where I think, 100 and, oh my God, I can't even remember, 140 people, 120 people. Yeah, about 140 people. 140 people in September not even September, right? It was August. August. Oh, yeah. gosh. I'm so sorry. So, we have so <laughs> many conferences now. I'm like, which conference was that? Yeah, but in August 2019, in December 2019, the same year, we had a conference of 400 over people, which was insane. And I remember starting 2020 with so much optimism. We were like, we are going to change the world this year. This is going to be the year that everything is different. And then, Madhura, the pandemic hits. And I remember all of us sitting in the house, looking at each other like, what do we do now? And originally, it's just two weeks. Um, it's been two years now, and we're still in. Yes, <laughs> I mean, but obviously, we had to do something, and we couldn't just abandon the kids. We had kind of like grown to attach. For you, at that point of time, as the CEO, I know you. You probably looked at your three depressed co-founders' faces and 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 felt even worse. But how did you? And you did actually pull the team together and march forward in that point of time. Tell us how it felt like to be at that point where everything we had done had to be put on hold and we had to essentially just recreate everything anew after so many years of effort and building it up to where it was. Um, I think like any, any everybody else who went and into lockdown, we are still, I mean, I would consider myself still a kid. Like I think inside I'm still a kid, right? So the first couple of weeks was... was an excitement of sorts because it's a whole new experience of just being at home and like doing nothing. So we literally did nothing for some time. And then we realized we cannot sustain this nothing. We have to do something about it. So um, one thing I love about Ascendance and it, 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 uh, one of the things it taught me over the past few years is that no matter what kind of situation you're in, there's something exciting that you can come out, come up with. So it was also during that time, surprise, luckily, we had we had we were actually planning to release a web series under Ascendance, uh, one two weeks before the pan, uh, pandemic. I mean, like one two weeks before the lockdown came upon in Malaysia. So we we already had these plans, and we were like, "What? Well, it's it's a uh, it's like a stroke of luck in a way that it hit, and everyone went online. So like two three weeks ago, um." Nobody was entertaining the idea of a web series. Nobody wanted to join the thing. They're like, why are you doing things online? It's not fun, blah, blah, blah. And literally three weeks later, everybody had to do something online. They had nothing to do at home. And I was like, this is this is brilliant. So we 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 just, I think we just decided to like just record ourselves talking about some random topics. We just pick a random topic that at that point in time, the kids we work with were going through. So some of them were like, I am at home, I'm stressed, I don't see my friends, I just have to stay in my room and do nothing for days. This is getting to me. So we do an episode on how do you manage, you know, like actually have fun at home, even though you're stuck and you can't do anything. Like how do you do things that you love so that you remain sane? And then we had some people who started fighting with their parents and parents fighting with kids because... After many, 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 many years, you are in the same space 24 hours without a break from each other. And this is something everyone found difficult. So then we had a topic on how to, you know, not lose it with, <laughs> with your family at home. And we actually talked about that. So we had so many different topics and we just shared our experiences at that point in time. We just told stories and we, when the audience asked questions, we talked about it. And we realized this is actually a lot of fun. And what we did, we, uh, because Ascendance has always been this group of crazy people who just adapt, 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 whatever that comes in our way. Um, we, we did that at the beginning of the pandemic and we realized, wow, this, this, uh, this has huge potential. So we started looking at, okay, how can we adapt our physical program? So we used to go to schools and conduct workshops. We started doing that on Zoom. This was before anyone do, did workshops on Zoom. 
uh, everyone was just dabbling with the idea, but we already started doing it. And then we realized, wow, this is great. Let's have a competition on, or a talent competition for kids. And then we organized the talent competition. And then we were like, this is great. We can do more stuff. So we just kept coming up with new crazy stuff to do. I think we even had like a cooking workshop on Zoom for kids. Run by a 14-year-old. Run by a 14-year-old. And like in Slangor, Malaysia, which is where we live, like I think 20 to 30 households were making chicken curry that night. Because this 14-year-old was teaching them how to do so. The and kids the, ones the were parents making, were like... Yes, the parents were freaked out. And I think we had like 7-year-old kids holding that big spoon. And they had to put two stools to stand near the stove. And they were making chicken curry at home. So that was a crazy experience. And we just did what Essence has always done. Which is adapt and have fun with it. And don't really care whether it looks perfect, whether it looks nice. We just get started. Then later on, we'll figure out how to make it look nice and all of that so we just did that and it was a lot of fun and when we started doing that i think a lot of people in our ecosystem the people who used to support us a lot uh over the years right even even though they had a lot of resistance at the beginning like how can we do this online and all of that when SNN started doing it i think they got inspired and then they started doing things online we had dance classes online we had uh, workouts online. Everyone was doing things online and it really, really became exciting. So even though it was a tough year and uh, the fear was a lot, the, the the struggles, a lot of people had absolutely no business. We had corporate partners who had no income at all. Things were tough, but but it was also the year that I think together all of us realized that if we change now, we are going to go to the next level. And I think that's what SNS did. Yep, and that is what happened. And I think we started experimenting, working with people in different parts of the world. And in December that year, we had a conference for 1,200 people, our largest event at that point of time, with people from, what was it, eight different countries? Yep. Eight different countries, seven, eight different countries. And that was the first time we hit the international scene. And it was just a, a beautiful moment. I think we were all just so excited and, and, and amazed that this managed to come out from the pandemic. Absolutely brilliant. And um, the following year is actually when, in January last year, is actually when you launched your Money Matters series, which now has been a year. I can't believe it's really been a year. I am a huge fan of it. I listen to the playbacks when I'm in class and I'm bored because Madhura is such an expert conversationalist. She will turn the very dry subject of finance into something so rich and beautiful and with so much like like juicy stories from the speakers and all of how like they lose things, lose a huge amount of money, made this huge mistake, and then now they're managing to come up with it. So definitely a very different take on finance. You make finance so funny and exciting. I remember this one episode you had, or at least a few episodes you had, where there's so much laughter at times. I cannot, I, I like, I am laughing, like, just looking at the speaker and you laughing. So I'm just like, <laughs> how is this learning about finance? And this series is called Money Matters. You launched it. We're celebrating the one-year anniversary this month, actually. How did you start this? And how was the process of growing this into something that has been absolutely revolutionary over the last one year? Um, I think for me, uh, I started working with people, especially young youngsters who are around my age, like 20s or teenagers, on, on their finances somewhere around 2020 during the pandemic, right? Because that was the time that a lot of people were facing difficulties. I had clients who had had like half their income cut and their income like relied on things like the wed uh, wedding industry. And there's no weddings happening at that point in time. So... They had no income. So how how can they change? How can they pivot? How can they earn more? Uh, so I, I had a lot of different clients who were going through their different different issues in a way. And I realized that many times, most of us had the same problem, but we don't really talk about it. So I think one of the things that my mentor suggested was that since you are working with these people, you can share the experiences or even your own experience of managing your finances on like a show, like just go live and you can share about it. I was like, that's a weird idea, but I'm so bored with my life, so I'll do it. So I just decided I'll do a live. I think if you watch back my first live stream, you can see how nervous I am. I cringe on that episode till now. Uh, but that episode was about how do you get started? So I just talked about what are the things I do when I first start managing my finances and all that. 
after I did the first episode, I was like, wow, this is actually a lot of fun. What else can I talk about? Then I realized that not everything can be done by me. So I invited speakers, started inviting my friends to come and speak first. Then I realized, wow, this is a lot of fun. Because like you said, you get a lot of juicy stories from people when you when you ask, ask them about money. So then I started interviewing them. I had a lot of fun doing it. Of course, many, many times, even until now, I question why am I doing this? Like what's the purpose and all of that? But then I remind myself that actually it's a lot of, it's, it's like ascendance, right? When it first started, it's not like everyone paid attention to what we did when we first began. Uh, in fact, we were like, we were quite small for like quite a long time, like four years, nothing big took place. Everything was just localized. We did some workshops here and there. A few people know about us and the rest go, who are you? Uh, it was like that for some time, but then eventually it reached out to people and eventually we created a huge impact. So I think that lesson reminds me that you just have to keep going and look at the impact that you're creating, the benefits for the people who are watching and, and keep focusing on that. So I think the uh, doing the show has been a lot of fun. I love it. And I think it is also partially what inspired me to write the book as well because uh, there is so much to be shared with people. Uh, but the book is more on my personal experiences and the show is more on uh, other people's experiences that I'll be bringing so that you guys can learn from them. No, I absolutely brilliant. I'm dropping the link to the Money Matters playlist of all of your past experiences in the chat. Um, please, guys, do watch this one-year anniversary. Madhra, uh, tell us about your one-year anniversary plans. How can we come in? We're a bit late to the race because you already have, I think, almost 37, 38 episodes out already that we already missed. So we have to do some revisions, some catching up before that. Where can we, like, where do we start? Let's say we want to come for your one-year anniversary, immerse ourselves in the world of money matters and this whole, I think we gossip so much about this show that everyone's going to, like, expect some gossip talk show from now. It's about, it is about finance. Like, don't, like, it is, it is, don't worry. You will be, you will learn. It's not, like, keeping it up with the Kardashians or anything. Like, there's financial lessons involved. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's something we should collaborate on and do in the future, you know. But anyway, so, like, when... <laughs> How do people start watching this? Where do we go, Mandra? I, I think uh, the the playlist we have put in the comments, I think that would be a good place to start. Uh, episode 38 is this Sunday. So you can actually uh, join our Telegram group. I'm not sure how many of you do use Telegram, but we actually have a Telegram group where we update people on our episodes. Um, so you guys can join that as well. I'll also uh, we, we can drop the link in the chat box for your reference as well. Yep, yep. But as I as Madhura said, this was kind of like the foundation that got her to write her own book. So maybe if you watch Money Matters, you'll write your own book in the next one year. So. <laughs> <laughs> because it will get you to just reflect on your own experiences. And I am a huge fan of the Money Matters show, but also the Money Matters book. Um, I have a confession to make. I used to be a very avid reader. But I think for the last few years, I never was able to pick up a book and just read it through like how I used to. I used to be able to spend hours and then I, and then I just lost that habit. But then when the Money Matters book came out, I actually picked it up. And I was like, you know, I'm just like, I'm not going to force myself. I'm just going to like read it. Like I'm just going to maybe read one or two pages. <laughs> and I stayed up for hours that night. And I think I finished the first three chapters. And I was like, oh my God, what has happened? The spirit of reading has repossessed me because of Madras book. Yeah, but I'm serious, I'm serious. It's a very nice book. I have my copy here. Uh, mine is signed by Madra. So if you are nice to Madra, maybe she'll sign yours. But the beautiful thing about the book is it's got so many pictures and colors and so many like amazing things that's been formatted into the book. So it, it's not just about reading words. It's about you really go through the journey with Madra. And that's also another thing about the book. The book doesn't just talk. If you can hear from the whole session we've had with Madhura so far, it's never just about money. It's never just do this and you will save this much money and X amount of money by this time. No. The book tells you about finance through Madhura's own experiences of how she changed her reality to have that financial life that she wants, that complements the lifestyle she wants to live. So you hear, you you will see how Madhura transitioned to be a fully sustainable 25-year-old with her own business um, and at the same time making so much impact to other people's lives but still being able to travel, um, try out new experiences, manage her relationship with the family, um, buy us all Christmas presents every year. So all of those, no, really, she just talked about that. So it's like, 
all of these things are things we want to do. We want to do like, like be able to, to provide for our loved ones. We want to live a life where we can live on our own, pay for our lunch and dinner every day, in our apartment. It's all, it, it's things we want. And at the same time, have a career we're building that we are passionate about. And at sometimes that reality could feel so far removed from the life we're currently living right now. And Madras book takes you through that journey of how she went from normal average human being like the rest of us to someone who really changed her whole reality to living that life today. So definitely worth reading. But I have to ask now, Madhra, in the book, you do mention all of these steps of how you essentially changed your reality and how your finance follows accordingly. So for all of our readers or our listeners who maybe they have not had the good fortune of reading a book, maybe you can spoil a bit for us. Lah. How exactly did you go about like um, like changing reality is one thing. Many people do a lot of things, but the finance seldom follows. So how did you go about not just creating all of these things, but actually being able to back it up with financial security to, to live a life that you want? I think um, I personally struggled with the finance part for quite some time. And I like to tell people the reason I'm talking about finance because I'm like, I've made too much mistakes there and uh, struggled with it a lot. And, and because of that, I have a lot of lessons there. Uh, like for me, um, especially at the beginning stage of ascendance and all of that, getting the corporate partners, I was the one who had so much of guilt. I had, I was the one who had so much of mind block with people giving money, like, oh, people only give this amount of money. You cannot earn so much. And I, I'm the one who had a lot of those mind blocks. Um, but, but what helped me was taking small steps. I think especially with regards to finance or anything really, right? You have to take small steps to prove to your mind that this works. So I'm I'm becoming like more and more mind blown every single month. Like something happens, and I'm like, wait, this happened. This is so so mind blowing. So it's like it's it's really really exciting to see. But in the book, I talk about like for example, like you mentioned, right? Experiences. I go for like a, an orchestra show that I've always wanted to go. So for me, paying like 50 ringgit or 60 ringgit or 100 ringgit for a ticket to go for the show was a big deal. Like I was like, I got no money. I cannot afford this, blah, blah, blah. I will do a lot of drama. But um, all I had to do was just stay focused on it. If I really wanted it, I would like find solutions to earn the money and go for the show. But no, we would, all of us would just, our first reaction is to go like, cannot be done right that was my first reaction to anything in life uh cannot be done and we just said we just go like oh it cannot be done full stop bye but um i think what helped me was it cannot be done now but i am going to work on this so that it can be done next month or in a week or in a year or something like that so i i tell my mind in a way like it's okay if now you cannot afford it perfectly fine but you can do it in a in a later period which you decide when you want to do it and you work towards it and eventually it will come so when i started doing that i started miraculously something will happen and you start getting money from different places and when you get the money it will be just the right amount i think you personally have experienced this a lot as well it's like it will be the right amount for you to do that thing you wanted to do so like for me uh, moving out right i've been i've been talking about wanting to move out for like years I think I'm, since SNN started, I've been wanting to move out. But all those years was just me talking, nothing else. Uh, but I think the time when I actually did move out, it was like, I just decided, okay, I want to move out at this point in time. Even though right now I don't have the all the funds to make it happen, but I've decided that I'll do it at this point in time and I'm going to work towards getting there. So naturally at that point in time, I think it's the end of the year. So I got some extra cash and all that, which, which built up my savings a little bit. So that I can comfortably or like safely move out without uh, without like not having money the next month. So it just took place at the right, like it was like things falling into place. So I started with small things like going for movies, uh, traveling. I think I traveled to like within Malaysia. Then I started traveling in Southeast Asia. I have not gone out of Southeast Asia because lockdown came in. Uh, so, uh, but basically I started there and then I did things like moving out. Uh, paying off my car loan i slowly leveled it up and now it's it's just like i have uh, bigger goals like having my emergency funds fully ready having my investment funds i have those goals but i started with smaller goals so i'm slowly 
like making it happen right and it, it gets very exciting so you have to start somewhere you're comfortable with and don't ever say like cannot do you just say cannot do now let's let's fix a time to make it happen in a way yeah very very revolutionary i'm someone who has a huge fear of even looking at my finance not doesn't matter whether it's good or bad i just am so scared whenever i look at my finance that i fear planning for like future events and things like that in case i get disappointed in case it doesn't work out in case this doesn't happen i've so many excuses but when i read madras book the biggest takeaway i had is your finance should be something exciting it should be something fun you are changing your reality you're getting things you you're moving forward in a way to do the things that you love doing and madhura talks about that madhura it's like change my perspective on that and at the same time she also talks about so many other things that i think are so important from lifestyle creep how you prevent like your your expenses growing with as your income grows she talks about again as she mentioned settling her loans uh building up the habit patterns to eventually start doing bigger things like building up emergency funds investments um how she actually started learning those kind of things where where she goes to for these uh, for, for like this new information and all of that to even simple things like how does as as a business do you run where do you actually find the funds what the, how do you solve the guilt of making money how do you uh, start when you have no money in a way how do you move out when you are less than 25 years old my business so all of these things are things that i feel many of us find very fascinating if you're a young adult like me it's things that you want to do you want to achieve in life whether it's going to orchestra shows or fine dining which is all things madras done traveling the region uh, like many of us want to do so please do read it. it it does make a difference and it does at least inspire and at average makes you actually have actionable steps towards achieving your financial and your personal goals as well so my my recommendation i'll stop handling now I'll stop I'll stop okay. <laughs> but uh one more thing that's very very fascinating is one of my favorite chapters in your book is when you actually talk about your clients and you share about how you work with your clients on your personal finance coaching and it blew my mind because normally when i think when when a person thinks about personal finance coaching i think first thing comes is our spreadsheet our budget tracker how much like like having someone to sit down and do that you do all of that but you do this extra service of investigating their habit patterns and understanding what goes on in their brain and why and how they spend the way they they do and you mentioned this in the book very very nicely uh i'm paraphrasing of course that it's not about how you are spending the money and things like that it's about what are your habit patterns and you play around with this where you actually experiment and and show your clients open up their eyes that many times the reason why they spend this money or the reason why they cannot meet this target the reason why they cannot do this is a habit pattern something deep rooted inside of them a belief that they have uh, a a repetitive uh, scenario that has become their reality and you work with them in kind of like plucking out those roots plucking out those things that prevent them from reaching their financial goals and it's very very fascinating for me because you kind of catch their subconscious mind in action and and and, and get them to real to see what is actually the, the things internally that stops them from meeting their financial goals very very brilliant um but very very hard to do so for all of us who are who are taking a very surface level approach to managing our finance a very reactionary approach how do we switch that to a more responsive approach to approach where we start to actually understand our habit patterns at the root cause when it comes to finance and understand that finance is not just a one size fits all solution so how do we actually understand our own habit patterns our own self um in and in reaction uh, manage our finance better through their understanding i think if um what i feel would be definitely helpful is finding somebody to help you manage your finances because uh, even me right sometimes i have to sh- i still have to show my finances to my mentors for them to take a look at it and make sure it's okay because like uh, like i think uh, in end of last year so at the end of the year i always compare my year progress right so i i was comparing like how much i made progress in terms of my finances in the past one year how much savings i increased and all of that and then uh and then i, sh- <laughs> I very proudly did the spreadsheet and i sent it to my mentor and i was like so i did this this is it and he was like wow good job uh but you left out this 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 loss that you made and i was like I was just continually trying to ignore the fact that I lost money here, but and I, I was like, I was just, I was so, I was like, okay, fine, I'll include it in, but it was a, such a small thing, right? It's like, uh, you, oh, you just forgot to include that number, but deep down, what I was doing is, I was, it was very 
uncomfortable for me to accept that I actually lost a lot of money going into an investment. And so it's like, it's like accepting that truth, uh, which I did not do by myself. I had somebody else to tell me, hey, you're missing this out. Uh, it's a lesson. Just take a look at it. I was like, okay, fine. I'll put it in. So after that, I put it into the spreadsheet and then I was like, oh God. Even though I made progress like in terms of savings and all that, it was a much better year compared to many other years for me. But I also made mistakes. So it's not like it was a perfect year. I also made mistakes and there's things for me to learn. So uh, even me, even I need a mentor to keep an eye on on it. So I'm someone who believes that you are you are always your worst critic as well as the as well as that really bad friend who will not tell you when you're doing things wrong right you'll be like it's okay it's justified you are going through stuff right now it's okay eat the ice cream uh, yeah you, you'll you'll always convince yourself that you're being you need you need more love and you need to be taken care of in a way so uh but if there's uh, someone who's not influenced by your money who's not who doesn't care whether you make money lose money doesn't really matter to them uh, then when they look at it, they'll be able to see it objectively. So that's the first part, like have an outsider to look at your finances. You can do it once every few months if you can't do it monthly. But most of the people I work with do it monthly. And for the ones I do work with, and if you want to, you can do this yourself, is something that a lot of people don't really like when I tell them to do, which is tracking. Um, I'm like a huge fan of tracking things because like, uh, my mentor always says this, right? Awareness before change. I think that is what helped us all to change over the past years, like changing habit patterns and all. You must be aware you have a habit before you change it. And I was like, okay. So I used to do this in like emotional side, like you must be aware that you're reacting to this person and then only you can change it. But in finance, exactly same. If you're not aware, you spend hundreds of ringgit eating food that is unnecessarily expensive you won't change it because you are not aware it's happening. So um, even whether you have money to hire somebody to check check your finances, doesn't matter. But I can assure you, you have a piece of paper and a pen and or your mobile app, which is free. And all you have to do is just track. And then once a month, just sit down and look at what you did for the past one month and accept the truth that you are horrible at managing money. No. <laughs> See where, where, you, where you go wrong. A lot, there are people who love spending on food. There are people who don't spend on food. They have food, but it's like, it makes no sense how they eat so less. But then they go and spend on entertainment like mad. And then there's some who are like crazy about sports, but they always go to the expensive places to play sports. When they could have just gone to the neighborhood badminton court, they'll go to the really fancy badminton court. So it's like things like that that they do. So tracking helps you to... Find the truth in a way. So that's what I do. And anyone who wants... I started doing this when I was in secondary school. I started when I was 13. So you don't need to have money to do this. You don't need to be a accounting student to do this. Anyone and everyone can do this. Just take a piece of paper, write down what you're spending at, spending on and look back at it end of every month. I know not all of us are as good as 13-year-old Madhura who can track her finances so diligently. So for all of you <laughs> who are not, who at 13 was conveniently avoiding your finances and at 19, fortunately, to have someone to make sure I don't do that again. And you need the help like me. Madhura does provide this service for many people to actually help them, um, I think, bi-weekly or monthly to actually take a look at their finances, make sure that they are tracking, keep an eye on you and help you identify your habit patterns as well. So please do contact Madhura. I think she dropped her LinkedIn here. You can go and fangirl over the many achievements she has on her LinkedIn page and and ask her for some help, reach out, please do. I think she's someone who's so been so kind to help me personally and many of the youngsters we work with at Ascendance who are entrepreneurs, who are growing in their finances as well. So definitely highly recommended for you guys to reach out, um, engage your services as, a, as someone who, what, what, is it a personal finance coach? What is the terminology you prefer? Sorry? Like, how do we address you? Personal finance coach? Or I don't know. What do you, okay. Uh, but yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I am not a personal financial I mean, I'm not a financial advisor. I'll, I'll come clean on that. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm, deep down, I'm an accountant at heart <laughs> who just loves managing individual people's money instead of company money. So, um, yeah, finance, coach, coach is a good word, I guess. 
So get yourself a personal finance coach. If you want Madhura, please talk to her now for her whole day. She's really very busy. So yeah, talk, connect with her on LinkedIn and reach out. And for all of the rest of you who are still processing and digesting this, get Madhura's book, listen to Money Matters. There's so many things that you guys can do from Madhura alone to actually start like looking at your finances. Whether it's just watching the free web series she gives out on YouTube. Oh my God, it might not be free for long, guys. Go and watch now. Or whether it's getting her book. I think she actually has a for all of you watching in internationally she actually has an option for you to pre-order her um, or, or leave your contact information for actually um, her upcoming audio and ebook which is very very exciting i've heard so you can fill in this form and then when it's out i think in a few in either this month or the next she will contact you personally and get you to sub to subscribe for that or you can get a physical book for all of you who like me want to flip 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 look at the shiny shiny picture you can get that at us at sncpro.com slash store we'll drop all of the links in the chat so that you don't have to memorize them but i really do recommend checking these things out so remember book series personal coaching okay i've summarized for you already now we have come to almost the end of our interview um, but there's one thing that I wanted to highlight. There's one thing that I wanted to ask Madhura. Because personally, I too am very curious about this question. And I'm sure many of you are very curious about this question as well. And I thought it's a nice place to end because if Madhura wants to kill me after that, you know, end the camera. But um, I was talking to someone today and they were having it. And basically, we were looking back at the year. And I was saying, in 2020, it was the four of us co-founders, Madhura, me, Sana, and Hera, who were doing crazy amount of work every day every night in order to keep the sense running and we're so fortunate that um one year later when we look back this year at how 2021 was we have grown to having a team of over 40 people who all do a crazy amount of work so that the four of us can still do a crazy amount of work and, um, <laughs> and still um, work every single day. And Madhura, even though you stepped down as CEO of Ascendance last year, you're still an advisor to Ascendance. You still are someone who I think puts your heart, your soul, who pushes many things to actually happen and supports youngsters like me in leading Ascendance in where it is today. We would not be able to do anything in the last one year without you because you have actually helped me personally complete so many projects and efforts that we, have, that we put forward. Why still, after stepping down with the sentence, contribute back your time, your experience, your energy, your funds, your everything in making this vision possible? Hmm. Um, I think I think when, when I first stepped down, first few months, I was very <laughs> depressed. I don't know. I don't think depressed is the word. I was sad, and and I I was angry, so I decided that I shall not do anything, and then. I think I think I was talking to my mentor about it and my mentor was like, we just it's just stepping down. You you did not die or anything. <laughs> like you can I am just paraphrasing, it's not the exact words, but the gist of it was that you just stepped down from the role, but the cause is still there and you can continue to work on the cause if you want to. And I was like, Wow, actually the reason I started sentence was never for the role of the CEO or anything like that. It was for the cause. So if I don't have the role, I technically should not stop working on the course because I started because of the course. And when I think it took me a few months to let that sink in, in a way, but when that sinked in, I realized that, again, it's about the course. So as long as I am living and breathing and <laughs> as long as we can, I can work on that thing and uh, in whatever capacity I can, where I'll be useful, then I shall just continue doing that because... It's about it's about the the vision, not really about the role. When I when the role went away, I realized, wow! Despite being someone who tells people about how you should not get attached to money, not get attached to the role, the power, and all of that, I did. So I got attached to it a lot. So when I let it go, I realized, wow! Even someone who you you think, even though you think you care so much for the cause, you still let these other things blind you in a way. So uh, I think all the few months past few months it has been about realizing that oh you you did let that happen but now you have learned the lesson which is to any role you you may get now any position any power you may get now it's only here for a while it's only for you to do the work uh, but eventually you don't need the roles to do the work you can do the work without those roles and and you just focus on the work no matter which point or point in life you are at so uh, yeah, I think that's that's personally why I still do what I do because I just remembered that it was never about the role, it was about the cost. Mm. 
Very, very beautifully said. Madra, you are very, very inspiring. Not only did you build something, but you also showed us how do we let it go and still aim towards and strive towards a cause. You are not someone who just talks about all of these things, but you also walk that talk. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. And if you want to know more about this, um, one of the things that you can do to support Ascendance, the work that Madra and I both do, if you want to read both of our books and at the same time get access to shows like Changing Reality, Money Matters, um, and many, many other shows run by the youngsters that, that we've developed and, and the supporters that we've had, please do join Ascendance as well. We'll drop the link for you guys to join Ascendance. It's only 150 ringgit, um, only about 40 USD for you guys around the world. And you get a whole year-long access to books so you'll have enough things to do to, to immerse yourself in learning how you can change your reality, achieve the goals you want. And at the same time, you will be supporting the same cause, the cause that Madhura and I still put our sleepless nights towards, which is achieving one and enabling one million teens to have the opportunities to discover what they love doing, get the resources to actually build themselves and have those meaningful careers. So we want to create one million teens like Madhura. So help us do that and um, do join a sentence. We'll drop the link in the chat. And with that, unfortunately, our session for today draws to a close. I, as I, I really prophesied this in the beginning. This has been an insanely amazing session. And I'm very, very grateful to have Madhura on my show. Thank you so much for actually joining us for this interview, Madhura. I hope that you had as much fun as I did talking to you. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you once again for the opportunity. I'm like... I'm on changing reality, man. This is a big deal. Uh, so it, it means a lot. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, thank you so much. And it's been a lovely, lovely conversation. I think a few of us, including myself, need to rewatch this to really absorb the message that Madhura shared. So please do like, subscribe if you can to the channel so that you can constantly ensure that you guys are keeping up to date with our Changing Reality episodes. Uh, once again, this is Changing Reality every Thursday, 10 p.m. EP um, from uh, in Philadelphia or wherever it is around the world for you guys. So with that, this is Harsha signing off and thank you. Bye. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio.